0: Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, and today I'm so happy to share a recent Firebird Book Award-winning author with you. She is Mackenzie Finkley. Her award-winning book is titled Beyond the Halls, An Insider's Guide to Loving Museums. Mackenzie is a Texan born and raised. She holds a bachelor's degree in anthropology with a special interest in human cultures and archaeology. When she's not researching and observing displays of human culture, she enjoys traveling, especially off the beaten path, and visiting as many museums as possible along the way. And I'm so looking forward to finding out more. So welcome to the network, Mackenzie. Hi, Pat. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh, such a pleasure. I just so loved your book. Congratulations on the win. Thank you very much for the acknowledgement. Oh, you're welcome. You know, your book is such a giant leap from the typical ones that we that we get submitted here at the Firebird Book Awards. So it was refreshing not only to have a younger author submit a book, but but a different topic and an important one. So I'm taking that with your background, that's kind of what led you to write a book about museums. Was there something that jumped out at you that said, I've got to correct this misconception or whatever and, and create a book about museums?
1: Absolutely, Pat. It was a combination of multiple things. One, I was going through my studies as a museum study student, writing all of these papers, reading all of these academic texts visiting a ton of museums and coming across all kinds of different guides to different cities, different museums, different types of museums, and all these different things. But there wasn't this kind of, like, accessible material that was a all-in-one and something that the general public could use. Um, So I set out to write it, and I started out with a lot of repurposing a lot of the essays and things that I already had in my back pocket from all the work that I had done for my studies. So repurposed some of those bits, did a ton more research, wrapped it all up in a nice little bow. And the other thing, too, was, you know, I come across a lot of people who tell me that they think museums are boring or they have zero interest in going to them. And I kind of wanted to do research into why that was and maybe how we could work to remedy that. And a lot of what I ran into was people felt intimidated by museums. And there is this um, long-standing history of, elitism in many cases in museums. And so I wanted to create something that could help make the whole industry uh, more approachable for visitors and people seeking to work in it.
0: Oh, wow. Talk about finding a need. And I do believe there's quite a few misconceptions that people have when they think about museums. And I guess I never really thought of the elitism aspect. I think just people think, oh, it's boring, it's dark, it's stuffy. You know, I'd rather be outside. So what are some of the other few misconceptions that people have when they're considering, do I want to go to a museum?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question. You know, there are a number of possibilities because every person's going to be different. They're going to have their own unique set of interests. And experiences and every city across the world has a ton of different types of museums to offer. Um, Just in the small town where I'm at you've got a art museum but you've also got a railroad history museum. That's an incredibly niche topic. So sometimes people will seek out museums based on their topics but more often than not people are coming to cities to experience the culture in that particular place and a museum is a great place to do that. Um, You can go and find niche local history museums, and then you can go as big as, you know, the American Museum of Natural History, where you can get a really big glimpse at all of the different pieces that make life life. Or you can go to the American Art Museum at the Smithsonian and get an entire glimpse of the entire history of American art up until now. And so it's going to be different for everyone based on their interests.
0: Yep, absolutely. And so tell us how your book comes into play. Give us a peek into the book and how that might help just the average person who maybe doesn't go to museums and how would that help them?
1: Exactly, yes. So my book is broken up into seven different parts, which sounds intimidating, but I promise it's a super quick read. Um, The seven different parts are broken down into kind of seven different areas of interest in which someone might find themselves even looking at a museum. So you've got the novice, which is someone that asks questions like, okay, what is a museum? Why should I care about them? You've also got the historian, the curator, the activist perspective, the businessman. Um, and one of my favorite sections is the skeptic, which is the person that's like, I, I don't like museums. I don't like going to them. Why do they matter? Why should I care? Um, so that's a really fun section to address. And another one, the way I kind of wrap it up is with the enthusiast, the so why I feel so strongly about museums, how I felt called to them, and how other people have responded to me historically with regards to museums. So there's a little bit of something in there for everyone. And one of the things that I hope people get out of the book is a changed perspective. They either learn something new, whether they're a complete museum novice or they are a long-standing member of the museum industry.
0: You know, another thing I think that's overwhelming for people that don't typically go to museums is that you walk in and you've got this giant building. Is like Okay, which direction do I go? How fast? You know, where do I start? How do I take this all in? Do I just walk through it? Maybe address that. Absolutely.
1: So I have an entire chapter about this. I call it the chapter Couch to Louvre, which I kind of named after the concept of Couch to Five K, which is like a training program for how you can go from doing absolutely nothing to running an entire 5K. So the idea is going from never visiting a museum to how do you tackle a museum as big as the Louvre, right? Um, And the biggest piece of it is to be kind and respectful of yourself and your own interests. Don't feel like you have to look at everything for the sake of looking at everything. Um, You have options when you go to visit museums. You can just spontaneously enter one and just wander around and figure it out as you go. You can pick up a map as soon as you get there. You can even go so far as to doing research about the place before you get there to decide exactly what you want to go and look at. And some museums are really smart when they, they know exactly the highlights. So if you're there only for a day and you're coming to visit the museum and you just want to see the stuff that that museum is known for, often they'll have a pamphlet of the highlights at the front desk and exactly where to find them, which I find those really handy. Because especially when, you know, I go and travel – And I only have, one time I went to Atlanta for 24 hours, and I was like, all right, I got to go to the High Museum of Art. There was a pamphlet at the front desk of the Highlights, and I was able to go around and get a really good picture of the culture of that place and look at the pieces that they are particularly known for.
0: What about museum tours, where you've got a guide, a docent that takes you through? I
1: love museum tours especially if you're going to a place um, that is really well-known or even in a foreign country to where you're originally from. Museum tours are so wonderful for getting that extra bit of context and perspective from a person who lives within that culture and in that space. So they're able to give you a tour based on all of the knowledge that they've gained by living near or studying all of the artifacts and objects that they're going to show you. And the storytelling aspect just makes it that much more entertaining. Mm-hmm.
0: And interactive museums are always fun where you can either have the headsets or especially for children where you can go and they can actually touch and feel. Yes, absolutely.
1: And science and natural history museums are particularly good at this. And So one of the things that I will mention is that in my book I talk about how art museums don't necessarily have a lot of those interactive things. Um, The number one rule is, like, don't touch the art, right? So in my book I do actually have a few uh, creative games and activities that I've learned from museum educators that can help you make art museums more accessible and fun and find hands-on as it were, activities
0: to do in art museums.
1: But to go back, science and natural history museums do this really well. There's lots of opportunities for touching and feeling and visual learning.
0: I love museums. I remember just as a young child, every year the school would take a, a, a school field trip to the Cleveland Museum of Natural History, and in the basement it was dark, but they had all of these glass walls with these stuffed birds, and then you can pr- press the buttons to hear the bird calls. It made such an impact on me, and I actually became quite interested in birds just because of those first few visits to the Natural History Museum in the basement with the birds. That's such a wonderful experience. It really was. And so my parents always took us to museums after that, but it was the school that initially started my interest and love for museums. And then my parents picked up on it. So I think it's also important to allow young children to have this experience early on without letting it become some kind of a scary place as they grow up.
1: Absolutely. And that's such an important thing because young people who go to museums as children are more likely to be adults that go to museums as grown people and contribute to those museums, either with their time, their talent, or their treasure. And also starting it in at the school level is really important for hands-on learning and education. And some schools, um, excuse me, some museums will actually subsidize school visits because those things do cost money for them to do, um, whether it be transportation or admission and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do mention there's a museum um, in my book, the Dallas, Museum of Art, no, the Dallas Contemporary Museum of Art specifically does this and subsidizes school trips for them to come and experience the museum.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, because it's just such an important learning opportunity. Oh, absolutely. It fosters curiosity, and boy, we need that these days. You know, everybody's heads down, especially kids, their heads down in their phones. It doesn't seem like there's that opportunity that we used to have to go out and explore something such as a museum. So that's why I just found your book to be so, so important and refreshing. Thank you. You are welcome. Tell us about the cover art. I liked the cover. The
1: cover art, I love it. So much. So when I was working with my publisher on the initial specs for the cover art, I was having a discussion with my designer and kind of just like this epiphany came to me and I sent them a drawing mock-up. That's kind of what they request is that I come to them with a little bit of direction and kind of what I like um, because I did work with a, a hybrid publisher to effectively self-publish my book. So I had a lot of say in the direction of how things went, how the cover looks and all that good stuff. So I had an epiphany. I was like, what if the book title is, like, a piece of art, and then, like, my name is, like, the name of the gallery, and then the subtitle is this, like, really cool um, object label, very museum-looking. And so I sent them my initial, my initial idea. And then I told them I really wanted a gold frame because I am just so obsessed with the idea of gold frames. I think they just look so beautiful. We did a couple back and forth some you know, how we wanted the floor to look a little more realistic, what color we wanted the background. But when I got that first initial um, developed art back, I teared up a little bit because it just looked mm-hmm. so good. It looked exactly how it looked in my head, and I loved the little kind of glimmer of reflection to make it look like, um the artwork was framed in glass which just made it look so professional and i i love it so much
0: i do too and when i saw that i was just i don't know it just kind of evoked something in me that made me want to read the books i guess that's what you want a cover to do yes that's the hope judge a book by its cover <laughs> applies to the book <laughs> so what's next my friend i think you've got some debut fiction coming out right I sure do. So I'm currently in the process of working on
1: a museum-themed fiction novel that's expected to come out in May of 2022. And that work was in part inspired by a particular chapter in Beyond the Halls um, where I talk about the repatriation of objects.